0: We're in a series entitled Habit Patterns. And today, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, we honor the memory of those who have fought for our freedom and those who have gone on before us. They aren't here, so we can be. They've given, so we have freedom. Lord, thank you for those who have paid the price For our freedom. Thank you, Lord, for those who have laid down a pathway of sacrifice so we can have what we have today. Bless their families, Lord. Strengthen them. Those who have lost loved ones this year, Lord, I pray your surrounding presence, your comfort would just envelop them today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for the freedom we have in you, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice that gives us brand new life. We love you and we honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And in honor of Memorial Day, if you're a veteran and you would like to buy a T-shirt, they're $5 off for you. How about that? Habit patterns. The habits you put in place will determine the course of your life. How many know that? I mean, aren't you tired of going around the same mountain year after year, the same issues, time in and time? Uh, and you're wondering, how, how can I quit dealing with these same issues? There is a way to grow. There is a way to get better. There are some things you can do, some habit patterns you can put in place that will guarantee you will get better And you will grow. Leadership guru John Maxwell says, growth is the only guarantee that tomorrow will get better. The calendar guarantees you'll get older, but the calendar doesn't guarantee that you and I will get better. Only growth does that. And you can't stop the calendar, but you can put some habit patterns in place that will guarantee that you will grow and you will get better. Can I hear an amen? It's true. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul the Apostle writes to the church at Galatia and he says, let me be clear, the anointed one has set us free. Not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always cherish this truth. That's truth. You've been set free. And he says, stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. And some of us have have never stubbornly refused to go back, and we keep slipping and going back and, and wondering, why do I keep heading back in the same destructive patterns? Well, the way you stubbornly refuse to go back into bondage is you put some things in place. You settle some things, you put some habit patterns in place that will guarantee you'll never go back. There are some key habits in life that if you'll put them in place, they'll be the fuel for other good habits that will take you where you want to go. And so last week we looked at key habit pattern number one, which was being connected to the body of Christ through the local church, his church, his family. Being a part of a local church is vital for your growth. You need to find a church and get plugged in. If you don't like this one, then go somewhere that you like somewhere where you can get plugged in and become a part of the body of Christ because you don't function well apart from being plugged in to the body of Christ in a church, in a local church. Online is good. Welcome. Good to see you. Hi, Allie. Hi, Landon. Anchor. Harbor, how you doing? I know they're watching today. So I thought I'd call them out. <laughs> when you get plugged in, you're able to grow. When you remove yourself from the church, you're on your own. You pull yourself out from under the umbrella of protection. You're vulnerable. You're unknown. You're apart from the flock. Easy prey for the enemy. The enemy always picks off those who are apart from the flock. You'll have no one to care for you, no one to celebrate with you, no one to pray for you, no one to encourage you, discipline you, disciple you, rejoice with you, grieve with you. It's vital that you are plugged in and a part of the body of Christ in a local church. Amen. Because when you remove yourself, you become disconnected and disjointed. And you know as well as I do that a hot coal taken out of the fire and placed to the side quickly quickly grows cold and becomes worthless, ineffective. We talked about McDonald's fries. It's not good for man to be alone. And some of you sent me your pictures of your McDonald's fries last week. I love it. But if, if, if you pour them out of the little red container, you pour them out, and they spread apart, it won't be long before they're cold. But if you keep them all snug together in the container, they're hot and fresh and salty and tasty. They, they are what they're designed to be. When you disconnect from church, you start to dry up, you you drift spiritually, it's just what happens. And it's a slippery slope. I mean, the slippery slope of disengaging from church, it's one week and then two weeks and three weeks, and, and pretty soon you're like, I don't even know how far I've gotten. How did I get to where I'm at? And I realize I'm not connected anymore. Psalm 92, the the psalmist David says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. How do they do that? Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. You want to flourish and grow, you've got to be planted in the house of the Lord. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He's my rock. There's no wickedness in him. And last week, I also touched on the whole sports thing. You know, the the God of sports is robbing our children of their spiritual heritage. And anything else that takes precedence over the house of God. I told you last week about a young man who who was so good that his coach said, we'll we'll rearrange things so you can be on the team because he said, I got church. That young man is here today. He's our youth pastor. Luke Standage. Amen. Judy Smith told me last week she said, "My three girls were playing soccer. They brought out the new, the new schedule, and, and they started playing on Sundays. So I went to the coach and said, "My girls can't play this year." They said, "Why? Because you're having games on Sunday." He said, we'll change the schedule. Amen. Oh, really? It can happen. And, and so we've got to stand up. I, I'm thinking, how does Chick-fil-A even survive in today's world? They're closed on Sundays. So their people can go to church and stay with their families. And... My brother brought this up to me. We, we ate at Chick-fil-A on, on the way back from the, uh, the, the wedding this week. And he said, what's, what's the deal with Chick-fil-A? He said, when I left for Indonesia, there weren't any Chick-fil-A's. I came back, and in the airport, I noticed this thing called Chick-fil-A, and it always had a line at every airport, while all the other places were empty. He said, what is it about Chick-fil-A? a said, well, number one, they honor God. It's part of their corporate beliefs. And here's the deal. This is what Scripture says Honor the Lord, and He will honor you. It's amazing what can happen if we'll just honor God. Stay connected to His family, His church, His house. Let me talk about key habit pattern number two the daily reading of the Word of God. It's vital. Several years ago, we began to uh, purchase life journals that have a Bible reading plan. You can, you can use your own Bible reading plan. But the point is, you need to be journaling what God is speaking to you on a daily basis through his word. We have life journals available at our connection bar for $5. And, and these, there's nothing in them. It's blank because you're writing in it. Because you're writing down, when you read the Word of God and something jumps out at you, every day you're putting down, here's what God said to me. Here's the promise of God. Here's what His Word said. And as you're reading the Word, you're journaling, saying, this is what God's saying. There's an easy way, and we use this several times on our retreats and and camps and stuff. It's the SOAP method, S-O-A-P. Soap. Everybody say SOAP. It's scripture, observation, application, prayer. Scripture, say it with me. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Soap. scripture, observation, application, prayer. It's simple. And if you'll do that on a daily basis, read the scripture, observe what's going on in this passage. And then apply it to your life. God, what are you saying to me about this? What, what are you talking to me? What are you saying to me? What do I need to do? And I apply it to my life, and then I pray about it. It'll help you. There is a slippery slope of not reading the Word of God on a daily basis. And you begin to dry up spiritually. Spiritually. And you don't even know why. You're not even sure why you don't have the same zeal. You don't understand and, and things just kind of pile in on you. And, and you know, you become, it's, it's like fasting. How many have ever fasted for a long period of time? And your body gets weak, right? You, you just get weak because you're not feeding it. And some of us have been fasting the word of God for years. We're not listening to it. We're not reading it. The only time we get anything is on Sunday, and that's not enough to keep you alive. And so we're fasting the Word of God, and we we become emaciated, and we lose our strength. We can't function. The psalmist David understood the importance of the Word of God. In Psalm 119, he says, standing firm in the heavens and fastened to eternity is the Word of God. Standing firm in the heavens, fastened to eternity, is the word of God. Your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. All that you created sits firmly in place to testify of you. By your decree, everything stands at attention. For all that you have made serves you. Because your words are my deepest delight, I didn't give up when all else was lost. Some of us want to give up. But when your words, his words, are our deepest delight, we can't give up. We don't want to give up. And he goes on, he says, I can never forget the profound revelations you've taught me, for they have kept me alive more than once. Lord, I'm all yours, and you are my Savior. I've sought to live my life pleasing to you. Even though evil men wait in ambush to kill me, I will set my heart before you to understand more of your ways. I've learned that there is nothing perfect in this imperfect world except your words. For they bring such fantastic freedom into my life. And some of us think if I read the word of God, I'm going to be held in bondage. It's going to bind me up. I won't be able to. God has everything for your benefit. He made you. He knows exactly how you work. And he wants you to live according to the instruction manual. How many never read the instruction manual when you put things together and you end up with all these extra parts, you're like, ah, it'll be okay. When things break down, we got to go back to the instruction manual and God has given you an instruction manual in his word and it brings such fantastic freedom to your life. Verse 97, oh, how I love and treasure the revelation of your word throughout the day I fill my heart with its light. By considering your commands, I have an edge over my enemies, for I take seriously everything you say. You have given me more understanding than those who teach me, for I have absorbed your eye-opening revelation. You have graced me with more insight than the old sages, because I have not failed to walk in the light of your ways. I refused to bend my morals when temptation was before me so that I could become obedient to your word. I refuse to turn away from difficult truths for you yourselves have taught me to love your words. How sweet are your living promises to me. Sweeter than honey is your revelation light for your truth is the source of my understanding, not the falsehoods of those who don't know you, which I despise. Truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. That last verse, 105 in the New Living Translation says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. His word is, is, is the, the shining light that shows us where all the pitfalls are where all the holes are, where the boulders are, the areas where we could get in trouble. It shines the light for us through his word. And the more you read the word, the more you know the word, you find yourself recognizing everything and things make sense to you. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The psalmist says, thy word is truth. When you know his word, you know the truth, and truth brings freedom. It doesn't bring bondage. It brings freedom. Many of us have lived in bondage. But when we found the truth, we got set free from bondage. Hallelujah. And here's the deal. The enemy wants you to believe lies. And so he's working hard to keep you blinded from the truth. The Word of God plants seeds of life in you that will grow and produce fruit in your life if you cooperate. Look at your neighbor and say, cooperate. Cooperate. Come on, cooperate. Cooperate. As you read the Word of God, you understand who you are as a child of God. Whom the Son sets free... Always oh, free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen. Not forsaken, I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Come on. And and where do you find that stuff out? It's not just in the song, it's in the Word of God. You understand who you are through the Word of God. It's revelation truth. And as I cooperate with what God's word says, I begin to understand my rights as his child. I begin to understand my responsibilities as his child. How many of you have children? Do you have to teach them their rights? Sometimes. Do you have to teach them their responsibilities? Uh Uh-huh. It's not by osmosis. Okay? There's some things they'll just pick up because they're watching. But there's other things you have to pour into them. You have to teach and train them. One of those things is gratitude. How many of your children were born with a spirit of gratitude? Right? They came out of the womb and they said, Thank you, Mom. Wow, I had no idea the sacrifice that you made for me. Let me just say thank you the rest of my life. Anyone, anyone have a kid like that? No, you you don't. Because that's not their natural inclination. You have to teach them, you have to train them, you have to show them their responsibilities in life. As you get a vision for who you are, you become dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And that's why the enemy is working so hard to keep you from digesting the word. It wants to keep you ignorant. It wants to keep you blinded. So you stay where you are. And you just start slipping backwards, and going backwards, going back to the same old stuff, back to the same old stuff, going around that mountain again and again and again. Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, Explaining the parable of the sower, he said, here then is the deeper meaning of my parable. The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. You need the word of God seed sown into your heart on a daily basis. You need the word of God sown into your heart on a daily basis. You need the word of God sown into your heart on a daily basis. You need the word of God sown into your heart on a daily basis. Amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of men who hear the word of God, but the slanderer quickly snatches away what was sown in their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. The seed falling on the gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy, but soon afterward, when a season of harassment of the enemy and difficulty comes to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth, and their faith is temporary. The seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares. Eh. Of this world and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they never become mature and fruitful. Yeah. The seed that fell into good, fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. And they they respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. (coughs) And why do you think the enemy is working so diligently to keep you from the word and keeping it from getting deep in your heart so you can cling to it, stand on it, keep it dear, and endure all things in faith. He wants you to fail. He comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing's changed. The enemy has come to destroy your life. Nothing's changed. And if he can keep you from placing this key habit pattern in your life, then he's done his job. I'm not talking just to be talking. I'm serious. This is a key habit pattern that if you'll place it in place in your life, it will change you, you will grow, you will get better. It's a guarantee. God's word is a seed that when planted deep in you will produce fruit, much fruit in your life. Because there's supernatural power in the word of God. Jesus said in Luke 16, 17, heaven and earth will disintegrate before even the smallest detail of the word of God will fail or lose its power. I have a feeling we're still standing on the earth; it hasn't disintegrated yet, and so the word of God has not lost its power. It's not failed. Hebrews 4:12. For the word of God is alive. Somebody say alive. alive. An active. Say active. active. The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. Even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is powerful. It's supernaturally powerful. And it's also your weapon of warfare against the enemy. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I was going through some of my old notes. I need to preach this again on the, the weapons of our warfare and the armor of God. But Paul says to the Ephesians, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Let me remind you once again, your spouse is not your problem. You can pick another one and you'll soon be looking at her or him going... There's my issue. You can dump them, pick another one. And you'll be looking at the same issue. Your boss, your coworkers, they're not your issue. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting natural enemies here. There's spirits of darkness. Notice what he says. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places there's a war going on but it's not against flesh and blood therefore he says put on every piece of god's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle you will still be standing firm i'm still standing Took your best shot, but I'm still standing. So he says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. says, take it, pick it up, and use it. Word of God is your sword. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You've got a weapon. It's the word of the living God. Even if it's on your phone. And I challenge you, get, get the word of God on your phone. Get the Bible app. You version Okay. It'll talk to you. It reads to you. I've got an hour and a half commute. Put it on. Let it read to you. Let the word of God get in your spirit. This has become my friend. Wake up early in the morning when the Lord wakes me up. Pull out my Bible app. And I read, I take notes, I send myself scriptures. So when I get out of bed, I can write it down. I can put it in my life journal. It can remind me of the promises of God. It can remind me of what he said to me. It can remind me on a daily basis, this is God's promise to me. I'm standing on it. You can't take that away from me. Word of God, it's living, it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces, it, it judges. It's doing its job. If I cooperate. Hebrews 5, verse 11. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain. Especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to Listen. Don't be that person. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat meat or solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food, or another translation says meat, is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. I mean, you need to have handled the word of God so long, the truth, so that when the false pops up, it's so easily recognized. I have people come to me with questions all the time. I'm like, if you just read the word of God, you'd know. It's not that difficult. Handle the truth. Handle it. I've told you many times, I got a, I got a counterfeit bill one time. And it just didn't feel right. It didn't look right. It didn't feel right. I took it to the bank. And they said, thank you very much. And I lost 20 bucks. It wasn't 20 bucks because it wasn't worth the paper it was printed on. But how do you recognize the false? You handle the truth so long that the false just pops up easily. You go, oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't smell right. That doesn't feel right. It don't look right. That ain't right. And let me show you the truth in God's word, which is right, always right. Amen. What I want to do today is make you hungry. So I I read the word of God and it just didn't do anything for me. I've eaten a lot of meals that I thought didn't do a whole lot for me either. Some of them gave me diarrhea. (laughs) You know. The reality is every meal gives you nourishment whether you like it or not. And you need to eat to keep your strength up. I can't tell you every meal that Christie's has fixed me, but I do know I'm still here. She's not poisoning me yet, at least. That's good. Some some meals are more memorable than others, but they all give you strength. I would say the last week or so in my Bible reading, nothing's been all that memorable. Nothing's been that great. And I've I've pulled out a scripture every day, even though I've I've said there's something in there for me. I, I find something that ministers to me, speaks to my spirit, pushes me, encourages me, disciplines me. There are some weeks where everything's jumping off the page. I'm like, yes, that's so, oh, so good, such great truth. And it just settles in your spirit. But not every meal is like that. But just because every meal is not memorable, does that mean you quit eating? No. You got to keep eating every day. Daily engagement with the Word of God. It's what will keep you strong and healthy. The writer of Hebrews talks about the milk and the meat. And you've heard me tell you this many times. Some of you are new, so I'll say it again. Milk is that which passes through the body of someone else and is given out as nourishment. So a goat will eat grass. It will turn into milk. He'll feed his babies with the milk, right? He won't, she will. Sorry. Meat, is that what you kill and eat for yourself? As you kill it, you prepare it, and you digest it. Then you've got nourishment for someone else. Mother can only give milk as long as she's nourished herself. And as you nourish yourself, you, you eat, you kill, you, you prepare the, the meat. Everything that I preach from this, this pulpit is meat to me, but it's milk to you. It can't be meat for you because you haven't done anything to get it. You didn't work hard at at, at receiving it and, and tearing it apart and figuring it out and preparing it yourself. When you do that, you become strong and mature and able to feed somebody else with what God has placed in you. It's time to be meat Eaters, even you vegetarians, you need the meat of the Word of God. (laughs) So we've got to daily engage with the Word of God. And that's a guarantee you will grow and get better if you cooperate. It's time to cooperate. Amen? Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. By it, we understand, we gain wisdom. We gain understanding and discernment, knowledge. It it shines on the pathway for us. You keep us out of trouble with your word. You keep us on the right path with your word. I'm asking you, Lord, to place a hunger and a desire in our hearts for the living word of God. Lord, would you stir something in us today? Make us hungry for you. Make us hungry for you, Lord. Because, Lord, we want to cooperate. We want to grow. We want to put these habits in place that will help us to grow and to become better. So, Lord, I pray today that we would make a commitment to you to your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for the freedom that you've won for us. We bless your holy name.